Aren't you glad you know Jesus tonight? Tonight our, our lesson is on pray hard. Somebody say pray hard. We're going to talk tonight about the power of persistence. The power of persistence. I, I know that we have a text, but I'm going to wait to the end of, of what I have to say tonight to read that text to you. And it comes from Luke chapter 18. You can find it there when we get ready to go there. But I'm, I'm going to take a little time tonight. Last week, Brother Rory did such a phenomenal job on talking about dream big. I believe we ought to be dreamers. Amen? Dreamers and mountain climbers for God. Doing that which is, is possible for us to do. And sometimes we get to the place that we can't handle it anymore. And guess what? God goes right on. He can handle it all. Tonight I want to talk to you about praying hard. The Circle Maker is a book about prayer. It tells and begins with a, a story of, uh, of a man named Honey that stood and prayed for rain until rain came. That is a, a story that is told in the eastern country and a very powerful story. And it's all in this book. I'm not going to retell that tonight because I have much to get to. But I am convinced tonight that the best miracles and the biggest answers don't come easy. First of all, I want to tell you that prayer is not easy. When you pray, you are going against your own flesh. Since the Bible days of Genesis and the beginning and the Garden of Eden... The world that we live in has been against us. Adam and Eve fell into sin. We understand that. And when the earth was in its first form, they fell into sin. And because of that, we have all sinned. And sin has caused man to toll against it the rest of his days. And God told him that from the dust he came and to the dust he would return. The, the, the penalty of sin came in Genesis. And when a man sinned and a woman sinned and the penalty came, and the penalty, of course, you know and I know, was death. They were expelled from the garden, but not just that. Death came because of sin. And the reason there's a funeral home and a, and a funeral service today is because of sin. So here we are. Un, until we realize this age-old truth, we will continue to get frustrated when we do things that uh, do not happen fast. Every time we pray, God don't answer. It's not like McDonald's. You can't just drive up to the window and get it right then. Amen? We're living in a fast food age. Yes, we are. I'm just like you are. If I get behind somebody slow, I'm saying, what in the name of God are they ordering? <laughs> Amen. I get mad just like you do. Honk the horn a couple of times. No, really, I don't. But sometimes I feel like it. But many a miracle has been missed because men and women, men and women who felt a holy unction did not understand the corrupt, or excuse me, the concept of Praying hard. There's a little group in this church called a community group, and they took the motto of something that we talked about years ago, and it's called pray until something happens. Push. Oh, you push. Folks, raise your hand. There's one. There's one. There's some back there. Look all over this. Push. Praying until something happens. 
Let me tell you, that's a concept right out of the Word of God. Praying until. You, you cannot give up. And you have to refuse to quit. You can't stop short of what God has for you in prayer. The first miracle of the church, remember this, happened quickly. It was as if Peter just stumbled onto a lame man and decided to heal him. Remember the day he walked up? After the day of Pentecost, the gates of the temple, there was a man that was lame. And he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Well, guess what? The man got up and walked and leaped and praised God and ran to the temple. And you say, well, see, miracles happen fast, but what you have to look at is the Bible said that that man had been sitting at that gate that place called Beautiful, for many years. He happened to stay there day in and day out. Somebody brought him and laid him at the gate Beautiful. Somebody did that day after day. The, the, the thing that I want you to see about the story is that the man had to be in the right place at the right time to receive what God had planned for his life. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't say patty cake, for Jesus' prayers and just come to one time and say, Now, Lord, I need this and go our merry way. There's times when we have to intercede and we have to travail and we have to go to God in deep prayer and we have to stay on our knees. Amen? That's the way it is with prayer. Everybody say, Refuse to stop. Come on, say it loud. Refuse to stop. Say, Refuse to quit. You got an appointment with a miracle. You got an appointment with heaven's answer, but the Lord may just be seeing how bad you want what you need. Amen. Amen. There's a what if counterfactual theory. In history, they have an area of thought called the counterfactual theory, which simply asks the question, what if? It was during World War II that some, some guys got together and a group got together and tried to take Hitler out. And the counterfactual theory asked, what if they had stopped Hitler before the Holocaust? I was privileged. I don't say privileged. I, I guess I was honored to go into the museum. And some of you that are here went with me on the trip over to Israel and to Turkey. We went to where they honored the the. Uh, people who died in the Holocaust. There was all kind of stories in that museum. It, it would literally take you hours to go through it. But if Hitler had been taken out, what would have happened? There would have been six million Jews that would have been spared. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It was a real thing. But what if? What if the American Revolution had failed? What if the North had won, had lost the Civil War? What if the world history would have unfolded? Uh, what would have unfolded in world history if some of these things would have taken place? What I've come to tell you tonight is there's some what ifs in our situation. What if? What if we'd have kept praying instead of stopped praying? What if if we'd have stayed on our knees instead of got busy to fellowship with our friends? I'm going to preach to you a little bit tonight. I may not stay right with these notes, but I'm going to say some things to you that need to be said. we got too much fellowship and too many sidelines and too many people in the bleachers and not enough prayer warriors. we got to learn to pray. 
Let me tell you, all this singing's good, but it ain't worth 15 cents without prayer. Amen. Sermons are good, but sermons are useless and worthless without prayer. Worship is good, but not without prayer. Prayer ought to precede everything we do, every program we have. Everything that we operate in this church ought to be sanctioned with prayer. That's why the prayer rooms are important. Let me tell you about prayer. Prayer was instituted in the Old Testament. And prayer was brought to the New Testament. Even Jesus had to pray. Even Jesus did pray. You can't live for God without praying. And you sure won't get a miracle without praying. You gotta pray and you gotta pray hard. You can't just pray for 15 minutes. There's times that we need to spend nights in prayer. I remember my dad. I remember a, a story that he told and, and I wasn't here at the time. I was pastoring another place, but I remember him taking his, uh, his self to a, a camp that we had on Darbone Lake and told my mom, he said, I'm not coming back until I get an answer. And he went there and he spent he spent time, hours and hours and hours praying until he knew God had answered. Oh, let me tell you, if a man can stand in a circle and say, God, I'm not getting out of this circle until you send the rain. I can get on my knees and say, God, I'm going to stay here until something happens. I'm going to stay here until something rains on me. I'm going to stay here until I get a miracle in my life. <laughs> Jamie, I'm so glad you came tonight. Jamie was a hard case to receive the Holy Ghost. And I remember my wife getting a hold of him and saying, we ain't quitting. Is that the truth? Until we get the Holy Ghost. And Jamie, the reason you're here right now, not only because of a praying mom and dad, no doubt, but because you stayed there until God gave you what you wanted. Let me tell you tonight, you won't get it cheap. It won't come easy. There's no blue light special on miracles. There's nothing that God can't do. But you got to work hard to get it. And if you work hard, God will get it. And when I say work hard, I'm talking about praying until something happens. Somebody shout amen. Amen. What if, what if the Israelites would have stopped marching around Jericho after six days? What if? They would have, they would have been one day short of seizing one of the greatest miracles of all time. The walls would not have crumbled. There would not have been a victory. They would have come close. But they would I got to thinking today, what if Naaman would have just went down six times? What if he hadn't went down that seventh time? What if? I want to tell you something. God's miracle demanded the ability to march on through doubts, to keep on believing, to march when you're tired, to believe when there's no signs of victory, there's not a crack in the wall, the sun was hot, the day was late. People were tired and no doubt complaining. But let me tell you, if you'll press on and you'll pray hard, there's walls going to fall in your life. There's rain going to come in your life. There's miracles that's going to happen in your life. And it will happen when we learn to pray hard. Somebody shout, pray hard. How important is the thing that you're praying for? How important is seeing your family saved? How important is fulfilling your calling in your life? 
How awesome would it be if in your life if God answered the prayers that you've been praying? There's some of you that know this concept because you prayed for things for years. Some of you have prayed for loved ones for years. And finally, finally, the day came when God honored that prayer. God may be testing somebody here tonight to just see. But let me tell you, today I want you to understand. Please don't give up. Don't throw your hands up in defeat. Don't throw the towel in. Keep swinging. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep digging. Keep doing whatever you got to do. Dream on. But don't quit praying ever. Quit praying and you lose your hope and you lose your answer. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to I talk to you about a word that I believe in. It's called persistence. Persistence. There was a study done some time ago in a standard, standardized math test. And the study said this, that Japanese children consistently scored higher in their, than their American counterparts. And while some would assume that is a natural thing because maybe they're smarter, researchers discovered this. In, study, in one study involving first graders, students were given a very difficult puzzle to put together and to solve. The researchers weren't interested in whether or not they were smart enough or if they could solve the puzzle. They simply put it out there to see how long they would try. And the American child lasted an average of 9.47 minutes. But the Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, the Japanese children tried 47% longer. You know why they scored higher? Because of their persistence. And researchers concluded the difference in the math scores was not the intelligent quotient, but it was the persistence quotient. It was because they kept hammering away. They aren't any smarter, but they've learned to try harder and to be persistent. More than a decade ago, there was a there was a study of, of the Academy of Music, music that they did a study with musicians. And with the help of professors, they divided violinists into three groups. World-class soloists, good violinists, and those that, who were unlikely to play professionally. All of them started playing, listen, around roughly the same age. And they practiced about the same amount of time until the age of eight. That is when the practice habits diverged. And the researchers found that by the age of 20, the average player had logged about 4,000 hours of practice time. And the good violinist had had practiced a total of 8,000 hours. But the elite performers set the standard. And they had practiced an average of 10,000 hours. And while there's no denying that the innate ability 
dictates some of your uh, potential. And your potential is only tapped via persistent effort. Persistence is the magic bullet and the magic number that seems to be 10,000. The emerging picture from such studies is that this 10,000 hours of practice, listen, is required to achieve a level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert. That's what they, they say. The, a neurologist by the name of Daniel Lev- Levitin said that. And in study after study, composers, basketball players, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, Chess players, master criminals, and whatever you want. This number comes up again and again and again because it is persistence and practice that makes perfect. Let me tell you, you don't enter the Olympics without practice. You don't go to the professionals without practice. When I read about an athlete that has excelled, I often read of a coach that says, they're the first ones to practice, they're the last ones to leave. You know why? Because of persistence. Well, I'm asking you on this Wednesday night, is prayer any different? Should we not cultivate a habit of prayer? Is there a discipline to be had in our prayer life? Can we develop the skills to know how to pray? And can we stay until God answers? If you want to become a master of prayer, you're going to have to learn to pray. I'm telling you right now, we have a generation that doesn't always know how to pray. They know how to pray God is good and God is great. Thank you, Jesus, for our food. Amen. They know how to say now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But where those that know how to pray in the Holy Ghost and pray with groanings of the Spirit and pray in the power of God and pray until the rain comes and pray until the miracle comes. Somebody's got to get to be a master at prayer. And without the mastery of prayer, you'll never be the Christian that you really ought to be. We have to learn to pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is in your notes. This is what I know. The bigger the promise, the harder you will have to pray. The bigger the promise, the harder you will have to pray. Several centuries before the drought that was about to destroy Honey's generation, there was another drought. In Israel, for three long years, there was no rain. And there was a prophet by the name of Elijah that talked to God, and God said, I'm going to send rain. So Elijah went and climbed to the top of a mountain I left a few months ago. Beautiful, awesome, Mount Carmel. We stood upon Mount Carmel that day, and all I could think about was all the stories in the Scriptures of Mount Carmel. Really, the one... Where, where, where the Lord took the prophets of Baal and, and he showed them who really was God. But here was Elijah now upon the, upon the top of Mount Carmel and he fell on his face and started praying for rains. Now, now watch this. Six times, six times he told his servant, go and look toward the sea and see if there's any sign of rain. The servant would go out and he'd look, he'd look, couldn't find any rain. No clouds in the sky. 
Most folks would have given up. Most folks would have said it ain't going to rain. Most folks would have said, let's go eat pizza. Come on now. Most folks would have said, you know what, we, got, we, we, we prayed. and It's up to the Lord now. No, 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 not Elijah. He sent the servant out the seventh time. And this is when most folks would have given up. But Elijah didn't. And because he didn't, the next time the old servant came back, he said, I, I, I see a cloud. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. wasn't very big. He said, but I see a cloud. Let me tell you, it's about to cloud up when you keep praying. There's about to be a rain when you keep praying. When you hit your knees over and over and over and say, God, I know I've said it before, but I'm asking you again, save my boy, save my girl, save my husband, save my wife, save my family. God, I know I've asked you before, but I need a job. I need a financial blessing. Lord, I need a healing for this ailment in my body. Let me tell you, when you keep coming, when you keep praying, I'm going to tell you there's a cloud coming. It's about to rain in your life, but you got to pray hard. It don't come easy. you got to pray hard to get what God's got for you. Hallelujah. I feel I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying here tonight. We need to learn to grow comfortable with the fact that sometimes the only evidence we have is our faith. You know what faith is? Faith is the substance of things. It is the Come on somebody. It is the evidence of things that we don't even see. So we're praying and we're saying, God, I'm believing it. God, I see it. God, I'm claiming it. God, I'm thanking you for it. You know what I've done many times? I've got to the place that I just got tired of asking, so I just started thanking God for it. That's just saying in faith, I'm believing it's coming. I'm believing it's going to happen. I'm believing God's going to take care of this situation. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. In spite of what you're going through, you just got to be persistent. You got to say, go that seventh time. You got to say, look one more time, servant. You got to say, I believe a cloud's forming in the sky. Something good is about to happen. Is there anybody here that needs a miracle? Is there anybody here that needs an answer that all you know to do is just keep praying and keep believing? For God's got that answer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jay, keep praying. Don't quit. Believe God for it. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what the doctor says. We're going to pray for you until it happens. Hallelujah. We're going to pray until there's a miracle in your life. My, 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 my. What Elijah, what if Elijah would have quit? He would have missed his miracle. You know, there's a lot of folks that leave just a little bit early. It's easy to give up on your dreams. Give up on your miracle. Give up on the promise. It's easy to lose heart. It's easy to lose patience. I won't have to skip over a couple of things, but let me, let me just say this to you. Perhaps this story of Honey looked back toward the story of Elijah. Honey needed rain in the circle maker. Elijah needed rain in the Old Testament. And perhaps Elijah looked back at what Brother Rory preached about last Wednesday night when there was a quail storm and said, if God can rain quail, he can rain rain. 
If he can send a quail storm, he can send a thunderstorm. Amen? And so, these things are hyperlinked together. This is in your notes. Powerful prayers are hyperlinked to the promises of God. When you know you're praying the promises of God, you can pray with holy confidence. There's a lot of promises in the Word. And let me tell you, every one of them are ours. Are you listening? This is in your notes. There's more than 3,000 promises in the Scripture. And every one of them belongs to you. Over 3,000. God promised Joshua that he would give him every place his, he set his foot. But there was also a little addendum to what he gave Joshua in a promise. He said, just as I promised Moses. See, the promise was to Moses, but it was handed down to Joshua. What I'm saying to you tonight is that you, you are hyperlinked to the promises of God. If God did it for Paul, He'll do it for me. If He did it for John, He'll do it for me. If He did it for the multitudes, He'll do it for us. God hadn't changed. People's changed. The promises haven't changed. The promises are true. Let me talk about the promises of God. Let's talk about the Word of God for just a moment tonight. I want to take just a minute and talk about it. The Word of God. You see this Bible? If you just read it and don't pray, I was praying today in the Bible, the Word of the Lord came to me, and this is what the Scripture said. The letter killeth. I want you to say it with me. The letter killeth. Say, the Spirit makes alive. If you read this without prayer, it's a killer. But when you pray this, when you just read this, you're just reading it. But when you pray it, it becomes powerful in your life. You're praying the promises of God. I often take my Bible, and when I get down to pray, I've just flipped it open a few times, especially to the book of Psalms, and just start praying the Psalms, and praying the prayers of David, and praying the Word of the Lord, because it becomes a powerful, powerful too. When you often, we often view prayer and the Scripture as two distinct, or reading the Scripture as two distinct spiritual disciplines without much overlap. But what what they are meant to be is what I'm talking about tonight being hyperlinked. When you pray and read and you pray the Word, I want to tell you something is about to happen. Hallelujah. you got to pray through. Somebody say pray through. That's a Pentecostal term. I don't know if it's in the Bible or not, but you got to pray through. you got to pray through the Bible. you got to pray through all of your, your hang-ups. Well, amen. People out in the world don't understand it when we say pray through. You know what we mean? When you pray, do you get it? You pray, do you get the victory? When people come to the altar here, we like to pray them through. You know what that is? Through the world, out of the world, into the kingdom. Hallelujah. We pray them through. We don't just pray a little prayer and say a little prayer that I was, I was watching. I was watching a church right here local the other day on TV, and I watched the pastor, and I know the pastor. And when he got all through, he said, okay, everybody, listen, if you want to be saved, say this prayer. And he quoted a bunch of mumbo-jumbo dead stuff, and he said, okay, you're saved. I was so glad that I know better than that. When you say all that, you're not saved. 
It's not a repeat after me prayer. Let me tell you, when you get saved, when you repent of your sins, and God baptizes you with the Holy Ghost in fire, when you pray and all that stuff's washed out of you, and suddenly you pray through, it's a tongue-talking experience. That ain't in my notes, and it won't cost you anything extra. But the facts are, there's a lot of folks out there that don't know anything about praying through. Reading is the way you get through the Bible. Prayer is the way you get the Bible through you. Amen? Did I, let me say that again. That's in your notes. You ought to write it down and fill in the blanks. Reading is the way you get through the Bible. And prayer is the way you get the Bible through you. You can't repeat a prayer after me and be saved, honey. You gotta go somewhere and pray until God baptizes you with His Spirit. But I'm going to say that one more time. You can't repeat a prayer after me and be saved. You've got to get somewhere and get right with God. The Bible said you've got to repent and rebaptize with the Holy Ghost. Except a man is born again of what? The water and the Spirit. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. We should never read our Bibles without a pen in our hand, a magic marker or a a highlighter or something to mark those Scriptures and know know that. So here's where I want to go in the last seven minutes. There's a Scripture in in John, excuse me, Luke 18, verse 1. The Bible said He told them, talking about Jesus, a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversaries. I'm not reading the King James, but I'm reading. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because... This widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The parable of this persistent widow is a powerful picture of prayer in the Scriptures. It shows us what praying is all about, hard praying. Praying hard looks like this, knocking until your knuckles are raw, crying out with a voice until your vocal cords are hoarse, pleading until your tears are gone, praying until you pray through. Think about this. The phrase used to describe this widow's persistence is, she is wearing me out. It's, 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 it's a boxing terminology. Praying hard is like going 12 rounds with God and saying, I will. It's like Jacob of old that says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he wrestled all night long. I'm not giving up. And he walked out of there with a limp, but he walked out of there with a changed name, too. God doesn't just change his, the way he walked, God changed his name and changed his future.
And the reason there's an Israel because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel come from the loins of Jacob. Think about it. So, so our greatest victories are won with persistence. You see, it's prayer and praying hard is more than just words. It's, it's work. It's blood. It's sweat. It's tears. It's praying. It's, it's praying in, in another dimension. It's praying and, and depending on God to do the work. You can't do it. It's desperate times. And desperate times calls for desperate measures. You can't be ordinary in 2019 because it's not an ordinary day. You can't pray just little simple prayers. You gotta pray hard. You gotta dig deep. How long? Let me, I, I'm gonna vary here from these notes for just a minute. But, but I'm talking about desperate times. Look, look th- think about this. This woman wasn't even nice enough to wait for her court date. She, she, she didn't care. She went to the judge's house and marched around his house over and over and she made her circle. She was a circle maker. She said, avenge me of my adversary. I need some help. I need some justice. Go home. Go to bed. It's like, no! In the middle of the night, avenge me of my adversary. i got to have an answer. I'm not going to bed. I'm going to knock on your door. I'm going to shout through your window. I'm going to claim it. I'm not going anywhere until you give me an answer. And that old judge finally said, I don't, I'm not afraid of God or man, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm getting this woman out of my hair. Let me tell you, it's called importunity and you got to stay with it. I don't care. I, 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 I hate, I, I don't, I don't want to say it this way, but I, I can't stand a song that says this and they sang it for years. It's me again, Lord. He wants it to be you again. He wants you to keep coming. He wants you to keep knocking. Let me tell you what I preach in this church. We receive the Holy Ghost at an altar. Guess where we keep it? At an altar. Don't ever let that be an embarrassment. Pray hard. Keep praying hard. Keep digging deep. Keep getting desperate with God. If you aren't desperate, then you don't. You won't pray hard. If you don't care, you won't pray hard. Those who count in this church are those who care. Those who make a difference are those who will spend time with God. How long has it been? I started to ask this question a few minutes ago. I'm going to ask it in closing very quickly. I didn't finish everything, but you got the gist of it. Let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you got by yourself and you shut the door and you said, now God, I'm going to stay right here until I get an answer. They used to tell about old timers going off in the pine thicket. Go get a place alone. I don't care where you have to go. The Bible talks about a closet of prayer. It's not talking about a little closet. It's talking about a secluded place. A place by yourself. I love corporate prayer. I love to get in this prayer room and pray with people that come. I love to pray in this auditorium. I like that. But my best times, I'm just telling you for me, my best times, Charlie, is when I shut my office door. Let me tell you when I have the best times. When Brother Rory's not here, and Chelsea's not here, and Toby's not here, 
when I can shut my door early, about 5.30, quarter to 6 on a Sunday morning. When I get there all by myself, that's my best time. That's when I pray hard. Not the only time I pray, but that when, 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 when nobody's around, what I'm trying to tell you. Many, many mornings when my wife gets up and she, you know, I've become a real go-getter in my latter days. I take her to work and go get her. I don't really take her to work, but man, she, she works. She has to be at a job at a certain time. She'll get up and leave. And let me tell you something. My best times are when I can bow my knee in front of my old recliner and say, Now, God, i got to have some answers today. I'm dreaming big. i got desperate things in my life. I need answers that only you can give. If you're going to get a miracle, you're going to learn to pray hard. you got to stay with it. Don't think you've done God a favor. Watch me now. I'm going to hurt you right here. Don't think you've done God a favor when you breeze through the prayer room for five minutes. He is not pleased with you. He's waiting on somebody to get out and have a talk with him. Shut the world out. I know my time's up. I'm getting paid overtime. Listen to me. He wants to know how desperate you are. Bring in all your requests to the Lord. He knows them, but He wants you to tell Him. He understands where you are, but He wants you to get down to business prayer. We don't know much about intercessory prayer. I'm closing. I'm closing. Listen to me. Listen to me right now. I want to say this to you. There's only one time in the Bible. There's only one time in the Bible that God wondered say I can't believe God wondered God was amazed God wondered only one time I dare you to go look it up tonight get all your study books out go look it up it's only one time what the Bible said God wondered that there was no intercessor he was amazed that nobody was praying he couldn't believe that nobody was seeking him stand with me all over this house